Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on Article 15 of the Augsburg Confession. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. Yes, we're back at it again after yeah. another week of, of uh, getting into... This is a part two episode yeah. on Article 15. Uh, I will say this, and I don't normally say this about things that I'm involved with. Yeah. I really enjoyed the last episode. It's, yeah. it's refreshing to talk about... Uh, an issue that is so relevant to the modern church's yeah. current state, and to be in a, a way, to be able to do it in a way that is entirely refreshing and practical. I just, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Well, like you always say, you know, all doctrine is uh, practical, and that, yeah, I agree with you. That's that's kind of the way our conversation flowed last last time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, should we get right into it, to it here? Unless, uh, I suppose, the White Sox have moved on to the next round I by the time predicting, the, this uh, episode well, drops. But <laughs> here, well, Inside actual baseball here, when your two least favorite baseball teams oh. are playing in a baseball series, there's no good outcome for me. The, the White Sox are playing the Astros in the first round of the baseball playoffs, and I think... <laughs> well, I can't bring myself to say I would rather the White Sox win anything, well, but I don't want the Astros to win either. Do, do you have any f- friends that are Houston Astro fans? I do. Okay, never mind. I have, a, <laughs> I, I, I have at least one friend who is a Houston fan. But you have more friends that are White Sox fans. Yes, but I'm also more comfortable with watching them suffer. <laughs> <laughs> so enough baseball for our All right, yes. Yeah, so, so we're just, <laughs> we, sorry about that, but we, we love baseball too. So uh, yeah, we're looking at Article 15 of the Augsburg Confession and its apology. And uh, last time we read through that, and if you haven't read through that in a while, I'd encourage you to go pick up your Book of Concord and read it. Really short. Uh, really short. Yeah. Um, won't read it here again, but it's it's on church usages or ceremonies. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's provided us a great way to talk about the things in the church that are adiaphora. You know, it could be, it's not sinful, not against the gospel, um, things that we do in church life. And uh, so last time, we kind of leaned in our discussion towards talking about contemporary examples uh, in our churches. And uh, let's start today by uh, looking at some of the historical context that was going on with uh, those early Lutherans. What were they facing, uh, especially with the Roman Catholics? And uh, why did they feel the need to uh, have this article in in the Augsburg Confession? Yeah, it's it's a great way uh, to study the various documents and various articles of the documents in the Book of Concord is to simply start your study by asking the question, why is this article in the document or in the Book of Concord? Why is this article a matter of confessional importance for the Lutheran Church? And in this case, it's because the Roman Catholic was teaching, and I really can't say that they continue to teach it, at least in this way right now. I'm not that up on modern contemporary Roman Catholic theology. Um, I think most of it's still there, but Hmm. uh, they were teaching uh, that the various rites in ceremonies 
uh, of the Roman Catholic Church, whether it would be the seven sacraments instead of the two sacraments or the various uh, orders of service that they had, the order of the mass or other ceremonies, Mm -hmm. that they actually conferred grace on the participant. The, the phrase that came up all the time in the catechisms was ex opere operato, that mm-hmm. you get credit for eternity from God simply because you did it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's um, the case now to some degree. And I don't want to speak out of school here, but um, when I was a pastor in central Minnesota, I was friends with the Catholic priest in town. Great friend, great guy. Uh, we had a lot of talks about theology and how we differed. And one of them was the importance, and it, it doesn't seem to me, as I understand it, and I could completely be uh, misrepresenting the Catholic Church now. So, <laughs> and, and, uh, and we be careful my, because no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's correct. But here's, here's the thing. He would talk about how it is important. It's not the only thing for them, but it is something for them uh, to be in mass and to be getting the grace. It's, it reminds me of, and, and you, you sang the Mario music last <laughs> week, and it reminds like, me kind of wrong. of that, uh, you know, you see little Mario running down, you know, hitting the boxes, and he gets one, and it's a, it's a mushroom. Yeah. And then you get the mushroom, you get a little bit bigger. And I feel like that is kind of how this process looked, right? You, you go a little bit get further, little you, grace, find, yeah. you, you go to mass, you hit the box, you get the mushroom. And then you hit it and you get the feather. Oh, that's a Super Mario now. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Yeah. But you get the cape and you get to fly around, right? Uh, I think that that's kind of the idea that, that just being in church somehow gives you that kind of gift. Yeah, it's... There's a little bit of that. The way I've taught it in my church uh, is, is the difference in the kind of punishment that is being meted out or avoided. And, and the most earnest Catholics I know, and I have family members that are practicing Catholics, mm-hmm. I have friends, most earnest Catholics that I know that have explained it to me in a way that a Lutheran can understand is that Christ on the cross with his shed blood and Christ risen from the tomb still matters, right? And right. Christmas and Easter are still big deals in the Roman Catholic Church. We, we haven't written Christ out of the equation altogether. Uh, Christ, his uh, payment was for the eternality of sin and its consequences. Correct. So that, that what Christ does is he opens the door to heaven. But, but the way I've read it and had it explained to me is that what we are dealing with in the here and now is the temporal consequences of sin. And uh, depending on who you talk to, that little waiting room that eternity has in purgatory, right? Mm, and, right. And, and so the w- when the Roman Catholic Church talks about grace, it's talking about the grace that is evident in our life to open those doors in a better way or... Yeah, like Super Mario versus regular Mario. <laughs> Never going to not think about that yeah. now, but that, that's how it functions. And the, the most basic Lutheran criticism of what that looks like, and it's not to be unfair and it's not to thump our chests and we're right and we're wrong, but our concern is that if you add anything to Christ, you're eventually going to write Christ out of the picture in mm. practice or in reality. And in most uh, Christians, whether Roman Catholic or not, that I know live a life like that, mm-hmm. they are way more 
focused on their good works impressing mm. God mm. than Christ's good work impressing God. Mm-hmm. And maybe this, and this is probably a question uh, for, for you guys, because I'm not sure I know the answer myself, but the idea of when you're talking about the, the nature of grace in the Catholic Church versus how we would understand it as Lutherans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of, of grace as being something that you store up for oneself, it seems like, or at least mm-hmm. maybe grace for the moment, that, that kind of uh, substance that you receive to help you, you know, kind of the, the booster shot in the arm, not to comment on any of the current political right. oh my yeah, scenario yeah. there, but, but just, you know, a booster shot. Didn't even think about that uh, until this moment. Yeah. Until I said the word booster. I mean, I yeah. can't think anything else. But the idea of um, it, it's some sort of a substance versus, can you, can you talk, can you guys of, answer that? It kind of runs out instead of, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the Lutheran understanding of the difference between Lutheran grace and Catholic grace is that Catholic Roman Catholic grace is a substance. It's it's it has a it has a quantity, right? Uh, Lutheran grace is God's favored disposition towards His children, right? So or His creation, even because the our Calvinist friends on the other side of everything <laughs> talk about common grace versus particular grace and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think where we ought to be careful with that is I personally, uh, from the Roman Catholic perspe- pers- perspective, <laughs> can't always differentiate between grace and merit. Yeah, sure. like the, the treasury of merit. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. like uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, you can have a superabundance of merit of good deeds that you've done, and those good deeds, like banknotes, are transferable to other people. And so, which is the whole thing of the the College of Saints or the Catalog of Saints in the Roman Catholic Church is you have these uh, extremely pious people who have done more good works than they needed to unlock the other side of eternity, and then those merits are available to normal Christians uh, for use in completing their good works. And hmm. and again, this is just a Lutheran understanding and assessment of what's been explained to us. From the Lutheran side of things, God's grace is always just unmerited favor. That's all we talk mm-hmm. about grace. And so it's God's disposition towards humanity. It's also uh, an emphasis that when we do anything good, it's really the Holy Spirit doing it in us and on our behalf. And so it's like no one can please God apart from faith. And anything uh, done apart from faith is a sin. Even an outwardly good thing is sinful if we're not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? And so where it's... Almost, I don't know if it quite is, it's almost an apples to oranges comparison on how the doctrines are just so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the way I see it, you know, you talk about God's unmerited favor, right, toward toward sinners, and that's what grace is, and towards his toward his children who are Christians, those who have received Christ and the forgiveness of sins, been brought into the family of God, all of the blessings that come along with that. I, I don't think. He, 
is there a gauge or a or a sliding scale there at, at the blessing that we get? And we talk about God giving more grace. Certainly Paul says that, right? He talks about giving more grace. And in different moments, I think the assurance of that maybe, of that grace that God has given when we're going through a trial or a hard mm-hmm. time, like Paul talks about, he goes, I'm going through this trial. I got this thorn, right? I've prayed three times and go away. It didn't go away. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And that assurance that there's absolutely nothing that can mess with our standing mm-hmm. is what it, that grace that carries us through. Am I wrong in saying that? No, I, I, and again, this is uh, one of the things I appreciate most about Lutheran theology is our ability and almost our insistence to recognize that the same term is talked about in different ways sure. at different points in the Christian life or even in Scripture. So we talk about grace in those different ways. Like one right. is just the disposition of God, and, and the second is we need grace Mm-hmm. In specific instances, in, in extraordinary trials or temptations, or we talk about faith in the exact same way, right? Mm-hmm. Faith is God's gift, period. We believe because the Holy Spirit has caused us believe, to believe through the preaching of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? But we also talk about that there are times in our lives what require more faith than right. normal, right? And, and so there's different functions of the word or functions mm-hmm. of the doctrine, and that's what's... You, I think everything yeah. gets jumbled up, right? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think this has been good to you know look at what were the those early Lutherans wrestling with when it comes to the Catholic Church and and Kent, you guys have done a great job of kind of bringing it up to our modern day, and uh, maybe at this time we could kind of start thinking about some of these practices that you know what kind of grace is given through them what. Uh, how can they be done without sin? How could be, they be done? Uh, things like the church year, you know, what, yeah. what's up with what, some of these things that are could be adiaphora that uh, how is God uh, giving us grace through them? Um, and how can they be practiced in today's church? I think that when we think about those traditions that we we follow, the church years is one that I really appreciate because it gives structure and order can't think of it as anything that merits salvation, which we've talked about, mm-hmm. right? But it is something that helps us to understand the faith better. Mm-hmm. It helps us to understand what it is we've been given in Christ more thoroughly, I think. And, and I feel like those those um, traditions or those adiaphora type things need to be ordered in such a way that they facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Not in any way that I'm doing this for the sake of doing it, but that, oh, that's why we do this, mm-hmm. right? And that helps. Well, and it's it's that's a great place to have a conversation with someone who disagrees with you because is it necessary that you follow the church here? It, it won't really damage your faith one no. way or another, no. right? There, Except for the time the lady asked me, what is quinquagesima? What does that, <laughs> what does that mean? Or yeah. quasimodo, quasimodo genity. Yes. Yeah, that's the yeah. quasimodo <laughs> genity, my favorite Sunday of the whole year. Yeah. Uh, but but it, it opens up the uh, the question, well, no, you don't need to follow church here. If, if your church sets your schedule, so be it. Uh, you know, are you still hearing law and gospel? Is the gospel still being preached? Is the Holy Spirit still creating faith? You know, that sort of thing. But is it beneficial? And guess what? The church year teaches the gospel. Right. It, it follows the life of Christ. Uh, it provides uh, built-in opportunities for the individual Christian to study different 
uh, emphases in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And I think the one that American Christians, and especially generic American Christians, ignore the most is that something like the church calendar Mm -hmm. or like the liturgical season with its colors and and everything else. Lent and Advent. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It unites us with other believers. And it's, you know, the, uh, in Lutheran circles now, there's this fun little debate between if you're on the three-year lectionary or if you're on the one-year lectionary. <laughs> right. I, I have one of my better friends out there. Yeah. He's a one-year guy and I'm a three-year guy. And we, we, we kind of throw these good-natured jabs at each other. And, I never want, I never like willingly agree with you, but yeah, three years right. I'm a three-year guy. <laughs> That's correct. I, I, I like... Uh, 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 I I like that it has more scripture that the church is exposed to yeah. in, the, in the thing of the church. And then this is my my fun thing is all the one year guys are like, well, it's only like thirty percent more scripture. And so I go, oh, you're agreeing with me. It is more scripture. Than <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, the, the, you know, as long as it's playful, I enjoy that sort of thing. Right. But one of the benefits to that is like if someone from my congregation is traveling. Yeah. And they go to one of my friends' churches or whatever, they're hearing the same scripture hmm. that they would be in church. They're they're going to church in, in the same season that they would be somewhere else. And you're united with someone beyond your own personal sphere of influence. That then, hmm. you know, I when I introduce the creed, whether we're doing the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed in church, one of the things I say as I'm moving to that element of the services, it is now our delight to join with the church for all time Mm. and in all places to confess our holy Christian faith. And I think some of those explanatory comments for pastors that are listening, those are, those types of comments go a long way. Like kind of like your Lutheran service uh, commentary. uh, (laughs) That goes a long way. Lutheran study bulletin. Yes. Uh, That goes a long way of, of uh, helping us understand the why we do what we do and, uh, and just rejoice in it too. Well, and, and so the, the church year, the church calendar Mm -hmm. uh, does that. There's a purpose and a flow to the order of service, mm-hmm. right? You, you mentioned the common service uh, in in Norwegian Lutheran settings. <laughs> the 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 old one was the Concordia two, Concordia two, yeah. Concordia two, which is basically what we do in my congregation, yeah. and it's what I grew up with, and. Uh, I know it through and through, right. and yet I really can't do it without the music. You're like right. you, you, you kind of lose yourself in the weeds. But uh, there is a distinct yeah. and specific move from law to gospel yeah. in the divine service, which and, is true of, of the common service as yeah. well. Common mm-hmm. service and Concordia too. The the different uh, applications are a little bit different. The song, there's you know more chanting, more liturgy in the common service. Higher churches sometimes it's called. But they're the same, and and that's it. You you move, you come into worship as a sinner, right? You you confess your sin to God, you receive forgiveness, you praise Him, you hear mm-hmm. His word, you feast on that word in the sermon, and you sing praises to Him. It's a, it's a flow. It's it, it's a mm-hmm. reminder of the daily you know Christian life. In like Luther talks about yep. baptism, you know, daily baptism. Well, and and, and it's. Uh, Again, one of those benefits of like the common service and especially the chanting and the musical settings to the liturgy, uh, the concept of beauty hmm. in the service 
I think is communicated more mm-hmm. freely with those elements. And and one thing I admit, uh, <laughs> it's really funny from my church is we're in this low church body in the AFLC. <laughs> my church is one of the higher church yeah. liturgies in the AFLC. Like we're in the top quarter. Uh, uh, and, and it's just because we use the same settings for individual Sundays. We yeah. have we have we have three. Uh, right. service settings that depending on the the time of the month that we use right and, and so people think we're really super formal yeah uh and the you know my lcms pastor friends and other <laughs> friends coming from different is like boy you guys are really low church here. oh funny but one of my struggles in a low church denomination which i think even higher church settings have the advantage is i have a, a challenge an active challenge in my ministry to communicate that what happens in the divine service is sacred it uh, it's good from my position. It's good that things are familiar, but we don't want them to become common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think it's, you know thinking about all kinds of churches too to expand it beyond you know we're, we've been talking about low church or high church, even people that say we don't have any liturgy, uh, they do. They just don't realize it. You know, there's a even a half an hour of praise songs, and then into like a prayer to receive the offering and then into like a another 45 minute sermon you know that's a liturgy too and uh, that's that's communicating something and uh, you certainly have the freedom to do that but uh, yeah, what what are you communicating in that too? Well, in, in the we don't have any liturgy is about as valid as a statement as no creed yes, but Christ. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I was thinking of that. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if you do your church service with the same elements in the same order, you have a liturgy. Now you're you're, you're changing the varials, whether the the song on the set list mm-hmm. or whatever. But you know, like most of the contemporary services I've ever been to, like you said, have a chunk of time for praise music right before a sermon that is almost always within 10 minutes of its peak and it's the the shorter end of the sermon and the longer end of the sermon. You can expect, you know, from the church that, like you said, it'll be a 45-minute sermon or you go to a different church, it'll be a 15-minute sermon. Mm -hmm. All of that is regular. And, you know, then the sermon is followed by a specifically chosen Mm -hmm. song that follows the sermon for whatever reason. One of the things that I remember from seminary when we went to seminary, and I don't remember if you guys were with me at that time or not, but we're talking about the order of service and how how it's laid out. And one of the things is that, and I, one of our professors said this, he said, the problem when we try and move away from some of those set liturgies is that we run the danger of trying to do it ourselves and be creative. And oftentimes we just aren't. <laughs> we we just aren't we aren't incorporating the things we ought to incorporate if you know and and to and if we are we're working so hard every week to kind of think of something new that we're developing something new and, and the point was you know trust what has been there at different times you know through throughout all times of you know the since the reformation well and the point of that it's you know the 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 criticism that empty tradition and empty repetition it's a valid it's a valid criticism but just like in any other area of theology the fault isn't on the repetition mm-hmm. it's on the person not getting something out of the repetition it's on the pastor for turning into a robot when he starts walking <laughs> through the liturgy right yeah. and and you know at at various times I try to shake up the transitions between yep. each element of the the service to say this is what we're doing now or mm-hmm. or this is what we're doing now but 
also recognizing that my com- my congregation actually finds a value of comfort in doing things the same way because they know what's coming. They, they know where they're going next. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good place to end for us as we uh, wrestle with this article. And hopefully, listener, you can uh, take this as a, a way to uh, have conversations in your own context, in your own, converse, in your own congregations, and to uh, wrestle with the, the whys and, and what that you do. Uh, all the while um, lifting up high the good news of Jesus Christ uh, in your services. So my uh, blessings to you. Any final comments? No, I think Nick? that's good. I, I hope in our personal preferences for those who favor a more contemporary style of worship, you don't feel alienated or attacked. Yeah, uh, We're actually, yeah. the opposite of what we're doing here is true, is that we're just I like it this way, and this is where I find the value of that. It, uh, we were not intentionally, and I love this word, so I'm going to use it. We're not trying to besmirch. This was not that was the word of the day. You're yeah, trying to get in there. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah we're not trying to mock or, or belittle that, yes. but it's the same thing. If, if you have a different preference, can you can you say it's flowing from Scripture? Does it teach the faith? Does it provide peace and comfort? Uh, Are you able to derive that from what you do in the way that you do it? Yep. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.